So Emma, I'm really, really thrilled to have you back. I love the conversations that we have. The, in, the insights that you have are very unique and helpful because of your medical background. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I have so many questions for you. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And I feel like there are many opportunities to go down rabbit holes. I'm going to try to avoid those. Okay. <laughs> but I want to first introduce the listeners to you. So everybody, Emma, Emma Morris. Hi. Emma Morris hyphen Smith. Hyphen Smith. <laughs> Married two months ago. I was going to say last month, yeah. but we're in November now. Like, yeah, September 26th. Mm-hmm. And married life is treating you very well. It is good. It is even more amazing than I thought it would be. That is so wonderful to hear. Which is good. Right? Yeah, that's really good. You look fabulous. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's been, so everyone listening, it's been over a year. Some of you might remember Emma from, you've been on the podcast twice before. Three times. Three times before. Yeah, I was thinking about it on the way here and I was like, yeah. Three times. One time we were in your closet. That's right. Oh my <laughs> goodness, you've been here as I've evolved. Yeah, and the kids kept coming in, and yes, that's right. Yeah. And then I ended up keeping one of them in with me, and he kept asking tons of questions, and he kept farting. That's right. Yes, I remember. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, trapped buddy. in the, the closet <laughs> with his farts. Yes. <laughs> oh, how far we've come. Oh, now no. we're. Now we're in an office overlooking the harbor. Yeah. And it's much airier in here. No farts. No farts. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless Mark farts, which that could happen. But, <laughs> eh. uh, And so. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He just took the liberty of putting a sound effect in my podcast. I don't know how I feel about this, but you know what? I guess it's well-deserved. Nope. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Don't do it. What are you going to do? So on our when we were talking over Instagram... You were telling me about some of the new developments in your diagnosis yeah, and the therapy that you've been taking. Mm-hmm. I found all of it so intriguing. Yes. So let's start with what, the, what you had recently learned mm. about the new diagnosis, CPTSD. Yeah, so CPTSD stands for Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. And really, the only thing I feel um, separates it from PTSD is that there's more than one trauma. Okay. But I'm sure there's other things too. But um, in my mind, that's how I understand it. And then I I think about people who have a PTSD diagnosis, and I think, I mean, it's more than likely that they have more than one trauma. I mean... Sure, some people do just have one trauma, which is huge, of course. I mean, I don't mean just one trauma, but um, mm. I just think about everyone out there, and I'm like, you know, there's there's got to be more going on. And this diagnosis isn't actually a diagnosis in the the statistical manual that we use here in Canada to look at different diagnoses and things, but it is in, I think, I think America, perhaps, or maybe not, but definitely the UK. Okay. Um, but I, I think people have been trying for a few years to get it added in, but they only update it every four years. 
So oh my gosh. <laughs> How helpful is that? <laughs> I have a diagnosis, but it's not official in this country. So I would just have to say PTSD, which doesn't. It doesn't encompass everything. Quite work for me. No. Okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. I was curious about what uh, CPTSD, what it meant, mm-hmm. because it isn't something that I hear very often. I've heard it a few times through this podcast, but I uh, I saw that it had that one of the symptoms of it is difficulty regulating emotions. Yes. Which. Yep when we were talking about the therapies that you've been going to Mm -hmm. that deals with regulating emotions, which I find particularly fascinating because I feel like this is something that anyone could benefit from. Of course. Yep. And so one of the things I was very curious about is when you, because one of the things about, I was looking up, you know, uh, regulation regulating emotions and what was it called emotion regulation and so I was uh, so I just looked that up on good old Google and it said that it's a term generally used to describe a person's ability to effectively manage and respond to an emotional experience which I like that they refer to it as an emotional experience Mm. because it is an experience yes I think a lot of the times we take emotion and we're like this is just me, which yes. it is, but I, I like that it's putting it in as an experience because then it allows you some more control over it in a way. Like it kind of makes it something that's more manageable. Yeah. And so then it says some uh, people unconsciously use emotion regulation strategies to cope with difficult situations many times throughout each day. Yeah. So there are times that people, I assume who've had childhood childhoods which have properly prepared them to deal with emotions and naturally Mm. regulate their emotions who are these people who are these people (laughs) i think one of them is mark oh good job mark yeah Uh, i otherwise don't know any (laughs) uh yeah yeah, because it's like what people just regulate their emotions and they don't even think about it Uh uh-huh when i experience an emotion I'm like, the sh- this is the showstopper. Yeah. What's happening now? Mm-hmm. So I want to hear from you first to back up a little bit. How did you get to the point where you were like, this is CPTSD? Mm-hmm. So I was in an eating disorder clinic a couple of years ago. Um, maybe it was a couple of years ago, something like that. Yeah. And... Um, I was just thinking, there's got to be more to this. Like, I I know that I struggled with depression and anxiety and an eating disorder for a long time, since my teen years, and I was thinking about the things that happened to me during childhood, trauma and abuse, and I was was like, this this can't be it. There has to be something that, like, is like an umbrella diagnosis over all of this. There can't be... I don't know. I just had a lot of diagnoses, and I was like, this doesn't quite fit me. So... I was speaking to a therapist there and she specializes in trauma and she said, um, well, I can privately assess you for PTSD or whatever. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking back to my nursing um, training and looking online and doing some research of my own. I was like, I definitely have complex PTSD. Now, like I don't advocate people 
just googling for a diagnosis right self-diagnosis I kind of know where to look and which sources are credible and I have yes. a lot of knowledge in my own head too so that was helpful um would you say that having an open like relationship with your therapist or doctor is like that must be particularly helpful too where you can oh, be yeah. really open with them about what how you're feeling and what you're thinking and wondering mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely okay so sorry for interrupting keep, keep no going. it's fine um so I started seeing her last year at some point and um she assessed me and it took a couple of sessions to assess me and she's like well I can't officially give you this diagnosis of complex PTSD because in this country (laughs) it doesn't exist oh my gosh Uh, okay which maybe sometime it will but it's frustrating but um it's fine I know that I have it and she knows that I have it and and she's treating me for it okay do you mind telling us what the process is where like how she diagnosed you so I was and still kind of am struggling with um flashbacks and memories that just won't go away from abuse and trauma and that's one of the symptoms of of PTSD and then we talked about how I struggled with regulating emotions um and having high levels of anxiety and like a fluctuating mood, which kind of trends downwards usually. And she would talk to me about these different memories and how that they would pop up through my day sometimes and how it would affect my decision-making and how I felt about various things happening. And she was like, so we talked for ages and ages and she took loads of notes and told me, yeah, you have this. What so you say these flashbacks? Do they just come mm-hmm. without you even want? Like, is it something that's very involuntary? Yeah, sometimes it is. I mean, I'm getting better with not having as many of those, but I also have triggers. So, like, hearing a someone's story might be triggering for me, or hearing someone talk about some kind of abuse might be triggering for me, and I would think about what happened to me sometimes. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it's called a flashback, because mm-hmm. it again gives it this whole different perspective. Because it, I know for me, it's like I think, well, that's just me getting lost in my head. Yeah, and so it's just like, oh, well, this is just like a little problem with me, and it seems like unsolvable. So hearing it put in that way, it's a flashback. So that means that there is a way that you can work with that? Yeah, you can work with that. That's kind of what we're working with EMDR, that therapy that we'll definitely talk about more. And that is helpful for me to um, file away these memories in a different box, like my long-term memory, rather than being in my short-term memory and always being around. The idea of EMDR is to um, go through a triggering memory whilst using a distractive technique like she gets me to hold um vibrating little paddles yeah okay sometimes they use eye movement which is what's in the name and where it first started um and the idea is that you're less distressed when you're distracted so we go through the memory and she's like how does this make you feel and then she'll be like oh yeah so it makes you feel sad and she's like just go with that so we we have a few minutes of like the vibrations going from one pad in my hand to the other, in the other hand. And then it's kind of filing in a way in short-term memory rather than, sorry, 
long-term memory rather than where it is right now at the forefront. So it does something to your brain. <laughs> it's like reorganizing your brain. Pretty much. <laughs> that's what it feels like anyway. So and Shuffling that's actually, it around. Like I've spoken with a few people mm-hmm. that have used this and they swear by it. Yeah. So it actually, it's like taking a file out of a yeah. filing cabinet yes. and then putting it in a storage room at the back. Yeah, like we're done with this. We don't need this now. It's affecting us negatively. We can process it now and put it away. Like we don't need that right now. It's not helpful. So you said we can process it now. Yeah. What does that, and is the processing the vibrations? Like Yeah. We talk about different things, like how it made us feel. Um, and we always focus on like a, a core thing that it made us feel. Okay. So we were doing um, something about not feeling loved. So we, we kind of held on to that for a while. And then we gradually moved from, what I would tell my um, child self now about how loved I am. And then we use the vibrating pals to think about that whilst we went through the memory. Um, and then eventually the distress ease eases over a couple of, a few sessions and then we put it away. <laughs> it's very interesting. I don't know a lot about the science behind it. I don't want to misquote or misspeak, so I won't go into it really, but... Um, that is, yeah. whoa, that's blowing my mind. So it's acknowledging the emotions that mm. that memory m- brings, like yeah. the, the emotional experience of that memory, and then reorganizing it and acknowledging the importance of the emotions, the importance mm-hmm. of you, how that experience doesn't define who you are now or yes. who you were then. And then allowing you to be released from it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to need to do this. Yeah, it's really good. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And then is that separate from, you also said that you were doing emotion regulation therapy. Yeah. And that's separate? Yeah, it's it's not using the paddles really. Although we do use the the vibrating paddles on a, a slower setting sometimes to do like grounding and relaxation like maybe at the end of an EMDR session or if I'm feeling particularly dissociative, which is what I struggle with a lot, okay. is being dissociative. So. Okay, yeah. okay, let's get into that, actually. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> because that's a defense mechanism, correct? Oh, yes, yeah. And that's what allowed you to get through, survive the yes. traumas yep. that you've mm-hmm. been through. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? It feels like... I am not in my body and it feels like sometimes it feels like I'm watching myself from like up above like watching what I'm doing um and it's really hard uh it gets worse when I'm tired and it gets worse when I'm anxious so when I first started noticing I was dissociating I would get really anxious like oh my gosh what's happening to me I feel really strange like where am I what am I doing Really? And then it would get worse because I'm anxious. Because you're anxious. So now I have to be like, okay, it's fine. Like, I'm still here. Like, my legs still work. I'm, like, like tapping my body and trying to ground using the five senses. And, yeah, it's weird. Does it paralyze you? No. I can still do things, but I sometimes I have to really press my feet into the ground when I walk because it feels like I'm not... You're not actually experiencing Attached. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Is that something that has developed into your adulthood or is it something that you've had? I think it's just got 
worse okay. in a way. Okay. I think. And so, and then it was just a matter of you becoming aware that it was happening. Is yes. that right? Yeah. What helped you become aware that it was happening? I think my therapist said one day, she said, hello, are you there? And I'll, and. <laughs> And like, uh, apparently I was like kind of gazing off. You can get this kind of like look in your eyes, like you're not quite with it, you know? Yes, the yes. lights on, but no one's home. Yeah. Um, and she was like, where did you go? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she was like, are you dissociating right now? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> Whoa. And I, I mean, it must have been only for a few seconds or something, but. Yeah. But still, but like, that's all it takes. Yes, of course. Yeah. I don't know where I was. Maybe it was nice. I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't. But <laughs> yes, because it's all of a sudden you're journeying, journeying back into yeah. this experience from the past. Yeah. So then, where were we when when you were talking about you were disassoci- disassociating emotional regulation? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it helps with that. Yeah, in therapy, she'll um, she'll ask me how I'm feeling, and if I'm feeling a particularly strong emotion, she'll ask me to kind of go with it, and she'll ask me why I'm feeling that way, and we'll talk about it, and we'll see how long that we can sit with that feeling whilst we talk about other things, and she'll check in, like, every few minutes, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sad or how anxious are you feeling right now? And I, I noticed that from, I think it was, like, a 25-minute mark, Sorry, we did 25 minutes of, like, emotional exposure, I guess, for example. Mm-hmm. And then after a few minutes, it was 8 out of 10. And then by the end of the session, it was it was still high. It was still 6 out of 10. But it had come down, and it, and it showed me that I can go through these and sit with these emotions, and nothing bad will happen to me. Oh. So that's a really safe place in your therapist's office to expose yourself to those emotions because they're right there and they can help ground you if it's it's too much so you said that you can experience those emotions and nothing Mm -hmm. bad will happen to you so i i uh, have a friend that has been a mentor for me for the last couple years and we've talked through different things and one of the things that he really talked about a lot with me was allow yourself to feel the emotion yeah and I find that I resist a lot yes and so I think it is and it is because it's like I'm some I somehow I think that it will hurt me if I if I allow myself to feel this emotion it's going to hurt me Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be hurt anymore but it's also something that I haven't actually it's like that is something that you believe but you don't know that you believe it because you're not allowing yourself to even go there Mm-hmm. So it's about creating that safe space with someone, someone that you safe. trust, yeah. someone safe that you trust mm-hmm. so that you can go there, have that emotion, allow it to go through your body, yeah. and then you can see that nothing bad happened and you didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Have you had experiences where you felt like, no, that did hurt? I mean, for me, emotional dysregulation goes back to childhood and and being told um, by various people that crying is bad and you shouldn't do it. Don't be silly. It's fine. Mm. Um, So for me, experiencing emotion is still difficult. Um, But it's getting there, I think. 
So you were taught from a young age that emotions yeah, are just bad. Learned. Yeah, from the people that uh, are supposed to tell you the truth all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you you are born and biologically programmed to trust what these people say. Yeah. So of course you do. Yeah, of course. Well, you how else it. would you know? Right. You don't know to know differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you're in the process of knowing differently, <laughs> undoing. <laughs> Undoing all, all of that. And this stuff that we're brought up with. Yes. That's not easy. That's it's not. <laughs> you don't just be like, oh, that's not true. Okay. <laughs> Years of. Yes. Yeah. A therapist told me um, once that emotions don't just uh, happen to us. There's always a reason why we feel a certain way if we look hard enough. And we don't always have to look hard enough. It's not always worth looking into it but if it's something that um, perhaps is happening a lot and it's distressing for you then perhaps look into that and why am I always feeling sad about this or at this time of day or things like that at this time of day I know some people struggle with feeling sad at different points in the day that was actually something that I really struggled with okay I'm starting to get better with it now think it's because I, I i think it's just a byproduct of the therapy that i've been going to and the medication that i'm on cool but when it but 4 30 4 mm. 4 30 always had just just felt so sad and alone and actually now that i'm thinking about it i think it's because when i was a kid we would get off the bus at 4 30 and because my mom was a single mom mm-hmm. she would usually be at work or just like she wouldn't be home so we would come back into this empty cold house and then we'd have to you know we'd be hungry and then yeah i'd end up eating (laughs) i feel like this would break my mom's heart to like hear this but i don't think she listens to the podcast so it's all good um my brother would get a jar of olives i would get a jar of pickles and then we'd eat it (laughs) that would be like our supper that's what I remember yeah and I think that's and but it did feel like just really lonely you don't have like that home that you're coming to of course and that I think that's why around 4 30 every day especially in the winter which of course I think it's dark and cold exactly like so that's kind of a no-brainer I would just feel really sad huh interesting Mm. and that would be connected to PTSD or see PTSD, or is that something separate? It, it can be separate, yeah. I mean, I think we all have something, maybe, most of us in our childhoods or, or things that have happened us, to us along the way that we think, oh, kind of, they kind of make, make us who we are and, and can determine kind of how we, who we are feeling, but yeah, we, we do have, I think, a, a little bit more control than perhaps we might think sometimes. Yeah. What, how, how do you start to learn that you do have, like, I mean, having control over your emotions, is that, is that possible? Like, how do you do that? I don't think that is a very interesting question. I don't think, I'm not sure if control is, is the word I would go for, but. Okay. But just allowing them not to control you. Okay. So is it about letting them happen? Yeah. Letting them happen, acknowledging it, and then, and then proceeding yeah. And not acting out of them. Yes. Having some good self-care things for self-care. yourself. 
it seems to be like a weird buzzword and people think that they need to spend loads of money on, oh, I need to get a really expensive face mask or paint my nails or whatever and get my hair done. And, and self-care doesn't have to be that. And, it, and it's a weird, I feel like there's some kind of weird self-care culture going on. Like I need to spend money in order to be able to take care of myself in that way. When you really are making an excellent point. <laughs> okay, yeah, continue. You can just go outside and try to ground yourself in the five senses. What is going on? What can I hear? What can I see, smell, taste, touch, etc.? It's not always possible. I wouldn't advise going around licking the buildings. <laughs> right. <might laughs> what is the taste the in my mouth right now? <laughs> can I chew some gum? Ah. Um, and just going for a little walk, taking big deep breaths of fresh air or eating something really really tasty uh, yeah. and focusing Ooh. what it, what it feels like in your mouth what it tastes like and things like like mindful eating things like that mindful eating yeah really experiencing what you're eating yeah we're always I in like a rush that. we are always right? in a rush shoveling things in and yeah. just moving on it's fuel it's not yeah. an experience yeah and i've heard from so many people you mentioned going outside mm-hmm. it is crazy every day Every day, you got to get outside. Yeah, every day. And because it is crazy how much you hear how important that is, and yet we still don't do it. <laughs> yes. It's easier to stay inside. Though. It's easier when it's cold outside. Yes. You don't want to experience that. Uh, I have a friend that will always say, there's no bad weather. There's just bad, what is it, bad outfits or bad clothing yeah no bad weather just bad clothing Mm -hmm. and that changed my point of view on going outside yes I started getting more proper winter gear so that you can go outside comfortably Mm -hmm. and enjoy it because it is something it is like it's that connection with nature once you get out it's good but sometimes it's really hard to motivate yourself to get out yeah it is yeah it really is. We like we just moved and we're by a lake. And so, nice. yeah. And so making the point to walk down to the lake yeah. is like you would think that would just be so easy because you're going down to the lake. How magical and mm-hmm. wonderful is that? And yet, even still, yeah, it's which hard. is shocking. Mm-hmm. I really didn't see this coming. But it like, yeah, I'll have to kind of talk myself into it because it's like, well, it's kind of cold and a little windy. I have to leave my house. What is I have to leave my house. I have to leave the comfort of this couch and walk like it's just crazy. But so important. I one of the things that I have been starting to like, I mean, over the last several years, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this seems to be a fact of life, but I still don't like it is that the difficult things, like taking care of yourself, is not easy. Oh, no, yeah, it's not easy. There's so many things Like you always around. have to push yourself. Yeah. Even to do, like, the things that feel good. Yep. What's about, what's up with that? I, I don't think, know. Right? I'm just complaining now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's, like, that why it's important to keep on top of doing things that you just enjoy. I was actually um, talking to Mark on the episode that we just released. I don't know when this is coming out. This might be coming out a couple weeks from now, but I was talking to him about things that I just enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I like that you brought up that you don't have to spend lots of money for self-care. And I think that marketing companies just... Oh my gosh. It's like their dream. Right. Like people are realizing they have to take care of themselves. Okay. 
So Perfect. let's market let's this money. to them. Hashtag yeah. self-care Sunday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get your expensive beauty products. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm, I am all about that. <laughs> I love it. But, but it is about realizing that there are little things that you can do that don't, co- don't have to cost much or nothing. Yeah. And you, and then you, that it energizes you. It's about like, it's about identifying the things that are unique to you that energize you. Yeah. And I noticed that one of the things that energizes me is watching a candle. Okay. Just sitting quietly watching a candle that's like flickering or, or Mm. a fire. But before we moved into this house that has like the propane fireplace, I had, (laughs) I just had a candle that I would light and I would do it before bed and I would just lay in bed and I would just watch the candle flicker. Nice. And it was very soothing and energizing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Did it smell good too? It was an unscented candle. Interesting. It was just a regular old candle. That's how you know it's the, it's the movement, It's the movement because it's just like it. I mean, talk about something that experiences its environment. Yeah. Every movement in the air causes it to move and flicker. And anyway, it's mesmerizing. Everyone go get your candles. Just pick up a candle, $1.29. Everyone buys candles this time of year. Right? Sit and watch it for a bit. It's so mesmerizing. I especially love candlesticks because they're not there. You don't have to look through a glass or anything. You just... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> sit there with your candlestick at night right <laughs> I was like this is great feels so relaxed and yeah <sighs> that kind of thing and and then yeah just like flipping through magazines I realized that I really just like the feel of paper oh see I don't okay like books and stuff you, especially if it's an old book that texture I can't I don't like it it's really? weird I'm like oh <laughs> And the, see, there's like the difference. It's, to me, yeah. it's something that like energizes me. I just feel really good like, doing no. it. And you're like, I, I'm not touching this that. Is the worst. <laughs> Anyone else have that problem? Anyway, just ah, me. Is it like the similarity of the idea of chewing cotton, or is it like, oh, or like oh. just like <laughs> playing with sandpaper? I don't know. Nah. Anyway. See, there's, there's. I'm quite a texture person. Okay. Really, like I have a really hate it or i love it i i love most textures but what's your what's your favorite texture mm. or one of your favorites i don't know just like really soft things mm. like one of my cats is so soft that's another grounding like self-care Animals. thing pet your animal yes yeah. yeah it makes your brain automatically release like feel good chemicals yes yeah there's lots of studies about petting i think it was cats in particular they yeah. measured levels of maybe it was mm, I want to say cortisol perhaps like the stress levels of stress and they would like spit in little tubes and they would pet cats and after a while they would take more samples and it would just go down like your levels of stress and anxiety would decrease that is science science <laughs> science is great right science who would have thought that feelings and science are connected <laughs> who knew that we had <laughs> things going on knew? in our brain oh my gosh <laughs> with emotion yeah with emotion uh, there were a couple other questions that mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you that i think maybe i will take the opportunity yeah, to ask let me just look them up uh just looking at your nails right now and 
They're very nice. Hashtag self-care. Hashtag self-care. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany at the head shop. She's amazing. Nice. At the head shop in Spryfield. Friends. She's really great. Nice. So, okay. Ooh, ooh. I did want to ask you what strategies you've learned to help you reg- regulate your emotions. I know that we've been kind of mm. talking about them, but I want to I want to dig into it a little bit more and get yeah. perhaps a bit more specific. For me, it's making sure that I don't lay in bed. Don't lay in bed. Don't lay in bed. I know it's so tempting. And also I struggle with insomnia and okay. I have done for a long time. So getting out of bed is hard, but what has really helped me actually being married and having one car is that I, if I want the car for the day, I need to take James to work. And he has to be there at 8.30. Ah, so that forces so, you to lay in bed. So you mean don't lay in bed in the morning when yeah, you wake up, get up. Don't lay in bed, just get up. That's hard. And perhaps if you get if you get up before your alarm and it's only like half an hour or 20 minutes, just get up because you'll feel worse. If you fall back to sleep and then your alarm goes off, your body wants to go back into a deeper sleep and then it's like you wake up and you feel awful and groggy and just, just get out of bed. I know, it sucks. It really it, sucks. The first time you do it, you'll be like... <sighs> <laughs> the worst day of my life um (laughs) what is it like that makes sense what Mm -hmm. you're saying because your body's wanting to get into a deeper sleep yeah but the part of me that arguing against that is (laughs) but more sleep is always good Mm. well if you go back into a deeper sleep and your alarm wakes you up it's like a shock and then you're like oh i'm awake and i but i wasn't my body wasn't ready to be awake yet so i feel extra sleepy now so when you wake up naturally it's because your body's saying I'm ready to be awake I'm now. I'm ready to be awake. Even if you haven't slept well in the night, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done now, so let's let's go. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, thanks. And then what about, like, so I, I've been starting to become more aware of some of my tendencies that um, when I'm feeling more emotional and stuck, mm. I have things that I do that keep me stuck. Yeah. Like playing a game on my phone. Yes. I'm sitting down. I have things that I know I have to do that day. I'm feeling overwhelmed. So then I just start playing a game on my phone. Yeah. Make a list. Mm, those lists. I, I like lists, actually. Yeah. I like making lists. That's another one of the things I realized I liked. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, make a list, but put really, like, silly, inane things, like, on there. So you have something to tick off, and your brain's like, oh, I achieved something. Like, you could write, get off the couch, and then you tick it. I did that. And your brain's like, ooh, this feels good. I did something. And then write, wash your hands did that put something in the oven tick i did that and that actually does work it really does help your brain be like i'm achieving something right now it feels really good let's keep doing this yeah keep so it is and it's about just starting the ball rolling break things down yeah Mm. what other what other techniques can you share with us um always wash your body once a day yeah i feel that's super helpful Mm. um and it's kind of relaxing too. Like I don't, I don't feel particularly relaxed if I have a bath. Like most people, they're like, "Oh, I got a bath bomb," and I'm just like, "Oh, it's too hot. Then it's too cold. I want to get out. <laughs> I just like feel like I'm wasting so much time in here." <laughs> so I have a shower, and it's it's nice. Like you feel clean, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, for me, also having 
some kind of eating schedule has been helpful in my eating disorder recovery is yeah. making sure that I have um, my three meals and then like usually one or maybe two snacks in between. Like I can't go any more than three hours without eating a little something because my body is like, are you restricting? What's happening? And then my sugar's like, oh, you need to eat. And I'm like, I'm really tired. <laughs> I think years of an eating disorder is kind of, my body hasn't been super happy about that. Probably not. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are we going to starve again? What's happening? Can you eat something? Uh, so you're training your body. I'm trying. Wow. It's, it's not, it's kind of going okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to train it. I know this is something that you put a lot of work into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really have like worked really hard. Yeah. What's something that loved ones can do? Is there something that loved ones can do with mm -hmm. to help you with regulating your emotions? They can be a listening ear mm -hmm. um, and be honest back with you too. Like if you find someone that you love and, and you really, really trust, like your partner or a close friend, um, just them being like honest with you yeah, and knowing knowing how much you can take so... I'm happy for people to be brutally honest with me because I know that it's from a good, loving place. But then people perhaps I don't know as well, I wouldn't be super happy to hear, oh, yeah, like, you suck. You're doing this wrong and that's why you feel like that. Mm. That just kind of makes you defensive, right? Yeah. And that's not what we're going for here. We want to feel better. Right. Um, so them just kind of being there for you and sometimes they can help you ground and how do like they do that? Get more in the moment. So like using the five senses and just reassuring you that we're doing this right now and you're here, you're mm -hmm. here in this place, mm. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's something that I've been trying to use more with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels like it's just this uphill battle that's not yeah. going to get anywhere. But I think that's kind of part of it too, right? Yeah. yeah. One thing that I actually found helped with her and helps with me is that, like, you just think about something that you're looking forward to. Yeah. So I, our, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are adopting nice. wow. a little boy, and they're, they just got the go-ahead to go get him. And wow. so they're going to India tomorrow, and they wow. are getting him on uh, Remembrance Day, actually. Oh, cool. And so I found that when I was talking with Zoe and she was kind of like getting into that zone it was like all like and I'd been sitting with her for half an hour we we're trying to go over mm. how she's feeling and like acknowledging the feelings but then trying to redirect them yeah and it was like I was sitting there and I was just like this isn't working not we're not getting anywhere yeah sometimes it doesn't help to go over and over things okay yeah so then I just mentioned like oh so they're yeah your aunt and uncle they're going to get their son next week and then all of a sudden it was just like ah that worked nice she was like thrilled oh and then and then all of a sudden she just started being like okay and then like getting ready for school and it was like <laughs> what the heck like <laughs> because it's like because i have this like fear of being avoid like av avoiding the issue mm -hmm. because that was something that adults in my life did yeah but this is different it's like trying to recognize what coping mechanisms are actually good and helpful? Yes. Because <laughs> coping mechanisms is like, it, yeah. I find that it's like a bad term. It has like a, yeah. 
like, oh, she has those coping mechanisms. But it's just like, no, 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 no. Well, you do actually need them. It's just you have to get healthy ones. Yes. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference <laughs> between bad and good coping mechanisms. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it's important to actually acknowledge that because <laughs> we've had, I mean, because we're still just at the beginning of trying to talk about mental health mm-hmm. and and digging out all of that gross <laughs> unhelpful mental health goo yes <laughs> the mental health goo yeah so then it's like now we're trying to replace it with things that are kind of similar but much different yeah we're trying our best anyway <laughs> yeah so then i wanted to ask you what like and i think we did again kind of address this but just to again be more specific and make sure that we actually cover this what prevents someone from learning do you know what prevents someone from learning emotion regulation techniques naturally like because that's a thing right mm. people do naturally yeah. learn it yeah of course but then some people don't yeah like you and i yeah <laughs> so then what is it like do you have some insight on what it is that causes that like i imagine it's yeah. something to do with the adults in your childhood yeah of course is there anything else or do you can you expand on that i think definitely the adults that you you grew up with do play do play a part into how you're able to develop and learn how to um regulate your own emotions and express them um i know there probably is some kind of biological element too like yeah. with, with genes and and things i know that there are there's also um, a term, a generational trauma. The trauma is kind of passed down. Um, and that might be a whole different, actually, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to look up generational me. trauma, it's very interesting. And something can, even if you haven't experienced that trauma yourself, something can trigger it that happens from the environment. And then you can be experiencing all these these symptoms that are difficult to deal with. It's it's very interesting. Google I'm, might be helpful in this instance. Okay. I, yeah. Because I've just started to get more and more introduced to that idea. Yes. And it is mind-blowing. Mind-bending. Yeah. Because I always just assumed that it was something that you learned from your own experience. Hmm. But it is something, and I don't know. I don't know what causes it, but there's something that your parents or grandparents experienced, were traumatized by, mm. and somehow it's affecting you. I yeah. kind of assume that it's because of their behavior, like behaviors are passed down. Yeah. But yeah, it's in your genes, your genome. It's in your genes. Yeah. Blast. Yeah, this is a whole other episode. Yeah. This is a whole other episode. I have to get my uh, research. Oh my on. gosh. Yeah. Because yeah. I really would love to dig into that. And it's not necessarily that it, if there is generational trauma, it's not necessarily that it's going to affect you. But if something very, very stressful happened to you or something like that, it might get turned on. Like it's a trigger. Yeah. It can set a trigger. Yeah. It's probably a lot more complicated than I'm that. Sure, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> science. that is. Science. Again, Love science. Love science. Wins the day. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to add? Any particular thoughts that you were hoping to share with mm. our listeners? 
just that if if you are struggling, um, therapy can be very expensive. I know mm-hmm. the wait list at, at wait lists at community mental health are just yeah. extravagant, and they they have one psychologist per whatever. It's insane. Um, <laughs> but I haven't used them myself, but there are some like online therapy apps you can get mm. that you can yep. use. And I mean, I've heard mostly good things, but only from advertisements, which of course would be good because because they're because you to they want you to get the app that you have to pay for. Yeah, um, but you can't really do trauma therapy online, or you have to be there in person. I think I think that one of the big things with these apps is that it's something that can really help you just stay in touch, kind of stay somewhat centered mm-hmm. while you're waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And one one app that the owner has been on this podcast a couple times mm-hmm. is the Tranquility app. Okay. And I've used it, it and I have found it to be incredibly helpful. Cool. It helps with anxiety. They're working on one that helps with depression. Nice. Actually, it was that app that made me realize I had anxiety. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He was like, because I was talking with him about it and he's like, yeah, maybe t- check it out. It might be helpful. And I was like, no Starting way. it, and I was like, I have anxiety. And then it like asked these questions, and I was like, Oh my gosh, oh, I am I'm so, so anxious right now. Anxious. <laughs> I have so much anxiety. It was really helpful, though. That is helpful. Yeah. So I would recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I love having you on. I love your insights. I love talking love with my you. accent. And <laughs> we all love your accent. Can't get enough of it. Yeah. Do you want to say just one more thing? Can you say ball and bowl? Ball and bowl. <laughs> it pretty much sounds the same. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I know to you it doesn't, but to us Canadians, I do hear a slight difference. You guys. But sheesh. You guys and your accents. No I, weird <laughs> word. Phonetics. <laughs> I know. We don't make any sense. No. (laughs) Thank you again for taking the time to come down here. You're welcome. And everyone who's listening, thank you so much for taking the time. We treasure your time and the fact that you want to listen to us. We Mm. hope that it's been helpful. Remember that wherever you are, Emma and I are sitting here loving you. Yes. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, or night, wherever you are. We'll be talking to you soon. That's my least favorite sound effect.